Simplifies Podcast, which is a standing talks all. If you're ready for us, then let's go. Hello again, and welcome to the Simplifies Podcast. This is the continuation of the Corona edition, where we were discussing what it means to be a Christian in such dire times. In the discussion was our host, Salom Worthmore, and our guest, Edemoni, Nanakwabno Usu and Kojo Obing. You learn it. Yeah. So because they are outnumbered and because Yahweh has a purpose for them, he uses covenant language so that they would keep listening to him and he can continue to use them as a model to serve the world. If we if that purpose, which is as a people who can enlighten the world and serve the world, is not there, there was no rule, nothing special about the project. I hope you are getting it. Yeah. So if we are going to be using, let's say, for example, this second, second chronicles thing, uh, mm. the first question we should ask ourselves: We are, is Ghana? Uh, does Ghana have a covenant relationship with God? I don't think Ghana does. Ghana is a Christian nation. No, please. <laughs> but hold on, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to we'll that. Come to that okay. Yes. Now it's a whole distance. It's a whole okay, chapter. So, Actually, the question I'm going to ask seems that's what you were already reading mm-hmm. that we said we'll come to, but let me still ask. Mm-hmm. I had a different question, but I, I, I think this, I need to ask this one because it's directly linked to what you just concluded, which is, so far what you said shows a special people mm-hmm. set aside by God mm-hmm. who in times of need be protected. Mm-hmm. In times of disobedience, he punished. Okay. And then there were times when the relationship was balanced. Mm-hmm. Now, this covenant people, from what we can see in New Testament, they have a trace or a lineage through David mm-hmm. to Abraham, which, as we are told, Christ has a lineage right back. If we are connected mm-hmm. to this covenant people through Christ, mm-hmm. why can we not then see our relationship with God in a similar stance? Where in coronavirus we are protected. We are protected. Hallelujah. <laughs> but in the other side too, there have been people who have looked at it that we should the reason Second Chronicles is even being spoken about is because we had a national day of prayer, mm-hmm. which the underlying background of all that is this disease, because it is unusual and it is taking over the whole world, is possible that God is angry. So, as he has said, he will not use a flag. Pandemic is a potential. Is a, a replacement. So, if that is, then, step one, we have to cry out and go and beg. This begging, so let me put the questions in three forms. One, why can we not align with promises or even the way in which the Old Testament Israel cried out to God? Why can we not allow, align with that in our prayer such that Second Chronicles 7.14 is a valid way because we can trace our lineage as the whole church, including Ghanaian Christians, General Christian, let's forget about genuineness and our mm-hmm. hearts and but as Christians, we have that trace back. Why can we not align? One. Two, if we align as human, the possibility God punishes his people when they disobey, and sometimes it affects the world. So it could be there's not just Christians who have Although I have a disagreement with this, my own question, let's solve it. Because one of the things is if the disagreement is with us Christians, and this was a pandemic to punish, it was the judgment about. Because that judgment is supposed to be a final be all way. So why is he doing mid, mid, mid election? I don't buy into that or it confuses me. But that's a separate thing we'll come to. So first, why can we not align with the old ways in which not necessarily sacrifice, but some of the prayers, some of the crying out, some of the pleading to God that changed and moved his heart mm. to forgive. Why can we not align with that? Two, if we can align with that, what is wrong with seeing ourselves as special and set apart 
fact that even if Corona, this one was not God's anger. So his response to us is, no, 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 this is not me being angry. This is a pathogen that natural causes. Why can we not then all take it okay? He has said it's not him. It is the natural natural thing like volcano. Why can we not set ourselves as speciality? Because of Christ and we believe in Christ, we are special. So it can kill all those around the 10,000 shall fall and 1,000 blah blah, the usual Ghanaian. Why, why is it wrong or bad? Think in that way because mm-hmm. we are also the special people called we are the new Israel. Mm-hmm. So what is wrong with us? And the last one, mm-hmm. so respond to these <laughs> two. Okay, okay. And I, we will come to. Yeah. But I think I think Kwedu was um was talking about the the election for vocation. Vocation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. So I think that. I don't that know that. Yeah, that would be something that. Could you either? And then. So can, let's let's yeah. let's let's look at it this way. Yes. So let's look at it this way. Um. So the first one is um. Why 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 can't we you know take that. Okay, so when you were saying what you were saying, one of the things that you said, so when they did uh, something wrong, they would punish them, when they did things right, they would protect them and all that kind of thing. And so those are, the, the Old Testament paints a lot of, uh, a diverse picture about God and religion. And Some would say, so if you look at one, the, the, the books within the Old Testament are not written from God's perspective. It's not God who wrote them. Yeah. It is the people's experience of God which they wrote based on you know their understanding of God. Now, I, I, again, I give the example of, um, uh, of Hezekiah, right? If, if if some evil is coming, if empires were expanding, they were going to expand in any direction where they thought it was suitable to them. It didn't matter whether God has said the, the empire should expand to here to come and cover Israel or not. The expansion of empires was a normal thing in their world. So God doesn't mean to come and punish people what is more important is for God to choose to act in protection of the world. It's the same way with uh, uh, when he's talking to telling Adam and Eve that eat of the, uh, do not eat of this tree. He is not punishing them with death. Death already exists within their environment. They are mortal. They are capable of death. He is offering them an opportunity to move from death to immortality, from mortal to immortality, so that they can they can be, now become people who overcome death. So it is a gift that he is giving them in a world that is uncertain. Okay. So it doesn't need to be God who is punishing you or punishing Israel, though he may the writers of scripture will say. Oh, and if you don't uh, listen to me and go to other gods, then I'll bring this upon you, and I'll bring this upon you. Now, I hope you're getting my point. Yeah. So, um, now we may consider that to be God is punishing or not. I'm careful about that language, because if we, we, uh, if we look at the, the world in which Israel lived, it was a very dangerous world. And in many ways, if you are going to survive as a small nation, not as a large one like Assyria and Egypt and Babylon, you, you need some, 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 somebody sure. at your back. Yeah. So it's, God doesn't need to punish you. This is the environment in which you are. If you are not going to listen to God, that the natural consequence is going to come to you. It's the same thing with Adam and Eve. Death was a natural consequence in their world. If you were going to listen to God, God would uh, uh, ensure the 
the better plan that he had for you will come to pass. But if you didn't listen, the cons- the natural consequence that exists for you within this world will come to you. I hope you get it. So that's yeah. number one. Now, number two. Um. So we as Christians, and this is very important because we are not Jewish people. We are followers of Jesus. We say we are the church and we trace our lineage to so on. Jesus Christ has come in and defined a, um, a purpose for us. He has come in and launched his kingdom. I hope you are getting it. Yeah. And he is calling each and every one from every nation into one nation called Israel. Oh, sorry, called the church. One nation. Not the Ghanaian church, the Chinese church, the whatever church, but the church. So, all Christians now belong to one church. So, when, if, if you are thinking this way, then when the pandemic started in China, Ghanaians should have started going on their knees and saying, oh God, have mercy on us. Because your church is suffering in China. Mm. Means that we should okay. I I think it means that we should have actually made uh, this this yes. this yeah. We should have started it like a prayer for them from us. From us. Uh-huh. We are one body. So we are not Ghanaian Christians. We are Christians who live in Ghana. We are Christians. Christian Christianity is a country. And Jesus is our Lord. So, when whatever is happening somewhere is affecting our... We, we don't need to end... Maybe during the time of Paul and Peter and so on. Paul and Peter and so on. Uh, yeah, we didn't have internet and we didn't have phone calls. So, we couldn't call one another and whatever else and so on. But today, that thing is happening now two weeks, three weeks. I mean, let's say a month or two. Then, we started saying, no, this disease is not normal. There's something going on. So at least by then, yeah, we all in Ghana would have heard. But how many Ghanaians do here saying, let us pray for China, our brothers in China? How <laughs> that language, how do we how often do we identify with what is happening elsewhere? Because we value our Ghanaianness first before our Christianity. Whereas Jesus' kingdom has no national limits. It is a nation. So if you are going to go and do Second Corinthians, Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, we should have started that before the thing hit Ghana. When it started rising in, in, in China, that's when we should have known that our brothers as Christians were suffering. But we are nationalized Christians. So we do not understand that the kingdom of God has no national limit, and that everywhere it is affected, everywhere else must feel it. We are letting our boundary, and we are then now trying to take second this and trying to think that as if Ghana has a covenant relationship with, 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 with God. No, it is the church worldwide that has a covenant relationship with God, because the church is the nation of God. So immediately, the church started facing some of this out there. And we don't even have to be the church. Once humanity is facing it, we should have already been on our knees and be crying to God and asking for Him to intervene. So uh, if we have, once we've missed that global perspective of the kingdom of God as one nation that is all over the world, we can't now come. And then when it's coming to our nation, then I come to call, uh, talk to God as if this country or the Christians in Ghana have some sort of covenant relationship with Yahweh, by virtue of which if we have sinned, we should call on Yahweh. Yes. We don't have a covenant relationship. We as Ghanaian Christians don't have a covenant relationship with God. Ghana as a nation doesn't have a covenant relationship with God. It is the kingdom of God, the church worldwide, that has a covenant relationship with God. Number two, the church worldwide, um, I mean, right from the beginning, 
uh, early Christian times. Uh, like I mentioned, if we uh, if we uh, take our history seriously, we know that Christians died long. I mean, epidemics and so on have been happening all this time. What has been the response of Christians? Has it been, oh, Psalm 91, we Christians are protected? Or has it been, this is the work of the evil one against humanity? Let us get on our knees. Let us pray. Let us put our resources together and let us work again. So the praying and the working were going hand in hand. Mm. There was no sense of we are special and we there to not have it. There was rather the sense of the evil one is at work in this world using something that we don't understand. Jesus has shown us that we should not be afraid to die. So if it means we are going to put our resources and our lives and our energy in helping others get over this, let us exert ourselves. So, you see, the, the, the instinct for self-preservation is why we are then going to all these places and trying to take Israel's story and uh, using it to apply to ourselves. When we are not, Ghana doesn't have any problems with religion as well. And what Jesus has shown, even in his life and death and resurrection, that preserving yourself is not as important as standing on your knees and praying for the brother. Is it even that? Or uh, putting putting your money where your mouth is. Like self-preservation is not even on the list. It's not on the list. Like Jesus Christ doesn't put self-preservation on the list. So he has finished dealing with other people. He's put himself in line for the other people. And and with this issue, we hear so many um non-Christian organizations actually going out there and send non-Christian People doing all this gathering money and buying medical supplies mm-hmm. and sending to states mm-hmm. and to people mm-hmm. and all of that. And the Christians are basically hiding in their houses. Yes, and, and, and as a Christian nation, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, when we even talk about the Christian nation, um, we even we are even I mean I look at it from the point of view of the president being a Christian, his reaction is let's organize a fast and pray for it. And it sounds like, and then when they lay out the topics, they've, they, so it's not just a fast for um, Christians, it's a fast for Muslims as well, mm-hmm. and other religions. So mm-hmm. anybody who can fast should fast. Mm-hmm. How does this we actually... We need to cover our faces with all the gods. With all the gods, <laughs> yes. <laughs> with all the gods. How does this end up becoming a really Christian nation Blah blah blah, and and basically we are calling ourselves a Christian nation, and we are we are we are entrenched in um, secularism. Yeah, Ghana is a secular nation, so yeah. Okay, so like I was saying, Ghana is a secular nation, so in that regard I understand. But it leads me to one thing that I don't know if it's a question or it's a response or something. As Adam <laughs> implied when you put your that simply Christ. I'm on a sabbatical quote, but what I am like, what is bringing or the underlining theme coming out of all this is something I was alluding to earlier. That is literacy and a push for. I don't think I'm going to phrase this right, but let me use it: orthodoxy and historic Christianity being seen as irrelevant, dead, unnecessary, as is, it is hard to find any evangelical church that as part of their introduction for new Christians. So you have altar calls, you see the words, you affirm that you have now accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Most have a member of my church. Yes, you are a member of the church. Very important. <laughs> not just of Christian church. You must pay tight where you are paid. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> and knowledge. So Amen. your membership is very important. <laughs> but it is rare, and I could be wrong, there are of course exceptions, but it is rare to find one in whose um, 
Christian classes too. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have classes around. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Uh, they are That's a very technical and theological <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So usually you have classes for you now become a Christian. We need to guide you. Yeah. Some have it for two weeks, some have it for new converts, yes. New converts class. That's the, 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 the way that it's normally couched. Mm-hmm. Not like the theological one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of it does not take into account anything like you are joining a, 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 a religion or even a brotherhood or a fraternity or whatever word that they will prefer in that church. That began way long ago and not 15 years ago or 30 years ago when the founder of this church founded mm-hmm. this founded church. church. Your father's fathers and the fathers before them had Christianity in a form. We say we are modern Christians and therefore some of our practices are modernized, but there are roots. It is non-existent, which I think is the foundational issue we are experiencing now. I was born into a Methodist family, so me, I like using the one that I'm present in because then I have some claim to say what I have because I was born Methodist, so I can say what I want to about Methodist church because I at least have some. <laughs> a lot of young Christians in the Methodist church I attend back in Kumasi are leaving and joining more charismatic churches because they feel it is boring. The, the claim they make is the Holy Spirit is not present Hallelujah. because they don't do some of the Holy Ghost fire things mm-hmm. that they feel and experience, <laughs> that emotional thing that gets you all fired up when you go to some of the other churches, which means the church has become a boring, rule-based organization that is just a club you go to on Sunday, so they want to go somewhere where there's fire. So I was having a conversation with my mom and dad because they are high up in the church, my dad especially. But my mom is the one who gave an answer that I think is important in this whole conversation. Why the prayer we did and all that stuff needs to be reassessed because we're talking about what can be done to keep the young people. And she spoke about her time when she joined the church and she was a teenager. And the fact that they used to go out and do evangelism. I'm using that as an example because that's one of the things that evangelical and charismatic churches take on as we are doing God's work while the orthodox churches are not evangelism. We go out mm. into the street and we preach the way. We approach people in markets, blah, blah, blah. She basically hinted that they used to do that all the time when she was young and she's not sure why and when it stopped. And I'll pause the night. Ah. So why do you people not use that as an answer to the young people living that? It is not that Methodists do not do this or John Wesley. Because one of the things I realized was they were not speaking to John Wesley's values. So most Methodist Christians do not even know John Wesley. Wesley. They do not know how radical he was, the things he believed in. The things the new pastors they seem to idolize and body. John Wesley was doing that even before they were born. Mm-hmm. But even in the Methodist church, we are not using that as the answer to them. Instead, it is how do we hold services that seem to appeal to the young people? How do we invite the prophets and these people? How do we incorporate the anointing oils? And I'm not saying it's wrong. But she was the first person to say it in a way that I realized, but the weapon you have is the truth and the facts of what Methodists are. And we need to, I think the fundamental problem we are all having now is Ghana is not a very literate country. People can read and write, but it is limited. We are not used to digging into things on our own. So there are lots of things we depend on a pastor, a church elder, or some other respected authority, which happens in our daily lives. Uh, financial issues, you go to a lawyer. Financial issues, you go to the person who is the most learned in the family, even though 
he has no idea of finances once he is learned mm. so what is happening is there's a lot of things happening in our churches where there's no fall back to history the actual roots of christianity and what we have now is a false christianity what the pastor says goes mm. and unfortunately most of those pastors themselves are not rooted they didn't go to the theological schools because we see all that as irrelevant if you can heal someone mm-hmm. whether or not you know the theology behind Jesus's healing is irrelevant mm-hmm. you were able to lay hands but i think it is very relevant because what is happening now is all we see and experience is that action and so if he has that power to an atomy healing or help me understand why I, somebody is sick in my family through uh, the gift of discernment or the gift of prophecy and all that that is more important to me because it feels like it is a solution mm. we do not see knowledge as a solution yeah but even today in some of the conversations we've had i realize that knowledge is a solution mm. About 80% because understanding, for example, what Adam said about Ghana does not have a covenant. It is the church world because Christ launched his church. It is human behavior and artificial boundaries that have now created the Ghanaian church. Within the Ghanaian church, a thousand different splits. It is human ideology, human thought. Methodists think they are right, Anglican think they are right. The day we go and God tells us how wrong we all were. So the fundamental thing is, yes, we need to go back to the roots of Christianity. Like, we need to understand, knowledge is not about complicating Christianity to make it theological, but to break it down that you are Christian not because you are Methodist, not because you attend this evangelical church and they have the nicest church building. You are Christian because you subscribe to Christ and his life. That fundamental story or journey that we did very well in Sunday school is lost now. Like now, we don't break it into the foundations of Christianity. You choose your church because they are rich, affluent people attend. It is near to me. I like the pastor because he speaks well. He does like we don't go into the very root of what it is to be Christian, which I think is hurting us because. A lot of the confusion we have now about who we are is because we are not looking at Christ for who we are. Mm-hmm. We are looking to our pastor to tell us who we are. And unfortunately, we all know the realities on the ground. In Africa especially, it is hunger and solving hunger. That is the number one influence. Mm-hmm. So 80% are doing something, even Solomon sometimes alluded to it. Why are people getting into Christian music? Because it seems like a path to success. Everything is about a path to success. Why do I choose A, B, C, D, a path to success? So to just simply restate it. In all we are doing, we need to find a way to tell the very basic story. Over and over and over and over again until no matter which denomination of Ghanaian church you are in, if it is not being said enough, mm. you hear it and you start telling the other people in your church, but why does it matter that, oh, we say these words when we enter the church or we claim we are there, but this fundamental one, Sunday after Sunday, we are not reaffirming through the sermon, through our actions, the life of Christ, because fundamentally, the Chronicles 7, 14, and all that national prayer is about, we don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to die but yeah. fundamentally it seems to be that Christ said you will die yeah. and so the fundamental of it is are we really Christian because the one we claim to subscribe to said look if you follow me bad things will happen yeah. but we too are saying that no as a Christian bad things should not happen yeah. so that is the question that should go around in all the Christian churches around this pandemic mm. are we really hearing Christ yeah. Because he is telling us a story, but God, that story is not nice. We have decided that oh, we misunderstood him. He did not mean that we would die. Yeah. Yeah. 
Except it was something. just something he was saying. And I think that should be the simple message we need to get out there. That Christ said we will suffer. But our pastor says we will not. Who are we going to listen to? Christ or It is hard. It is going to bring a lot of issues. But if you put it that way, I think it makes it easier. Because any other thing, it sounds like you are going against their an authority they trust and believe. But if you pit that authority against Jesus, he's the final authority. But if you say, oh, I have studied this, I have read this book, I have read that, and my pastor is more learned than you, after all, you can you deal with but if we pick it against Christ and say, Christ said this, and the pastor is saying that, go and choose. I think that solves a lot of the theological uh-huh. Chronicles 7.14 because from listening to it today and seeing what I'm saying, it's simple. Christ never promised that we will not get sick. He might have promised healing. Yeah. He might have promised protection, but he did not promise that we will not get sick. So if then there is a soft who says he has not been sick for 10 years. I do not doubt him. <laughs> but the question is that whatever formula he has found does not mean that if you haven't found it and you get sick, you are not being Christian. Because Christ yeah. said you will get sick. Yeah. But I will be there to provide A, B, C, D to help you out, work with you. Yeah. Paul died. Horrible circumstances. Peter, horrible circumstances. Are we better than them? Those are the stories that are missing from our Christianity yeah. now. We don't talk about lions chewing early yeah. because it's not a nice thing on a Sunday to yeah. gather people mm-hmm. and before you ask them to give collection you tell them that some people were put in a pit and lions chewed them and after yeah. that they should give yeah. uh, so we remember the story anyway so I have, a, I have a picture in my head about this whole process of God brought us on earth as human beings and he gave us the earth and said dominate and do and and be in charge and i feel like the dominate and be in charge the knowledge part comes in because those years in the early in the early years we didn't we wouldn't have figured out human beings wouldn't have figured out that it is um what was it called it is tectonic plates no no we wouldn't have figured out but in essence human beings have still figured it out and we didn't figure it out on our own. God is the is the source of of He's our source. He actually has helped us to overcome sicknesses here and there. I remember um, reading a story about early American history and and where it is known that men died so quickly. No woman was women who were like before they were thirty. They were marrying their second or third husband. Yeah, yeah. And the husband had died, died. because yeah. of... It was, so it was so common. And the men died so quickly because they were doing this and that. Mm-hmm. But as medicine became... And this medicine is not like... Um, it's not... It it's not yeah, it, dro- it didn't drop out of the sky. But we experienced and we learned from it. And this is part of the domination that we are yeah. being called to. And this... And, and in the end... You realize that the, our spirituality and our Christianity makes us feel like, um, Masa, this is not a time to do medicine. It's not a time <laughs> to think if we want separating science from the person. From the person. So, so saying it, something like, for example, that Newton was Christian. Yes. Or some other scientist was Christian. It's always something we struggle with because we are unable to act. But if you believe in the healing power of Jesus, eh, focus on that. That can overcome all things. Mm-hmm. And laying on of hands will bring that healing. Yeah, and at Science. some yeah, and at some point, laying on of hands actually spreads disease. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, um, are we? And the, and the truth is that the knowledge, like you were saying, the knowledge. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I, 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 I just want. Ask a quick question. After what Dominico uh, was saying about whether we should listen to Jesus or our pastor, if you put it that way, we will come to church. You <laughs> see? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, you have a point. And um, just to just to have that conversation on these things, um, one of the one of the unfortunate side effects of not learning history and not 
grounding Christians in the faith that has gone before us is the dual, what you call the dualism that has developed. Because you know when I give you the example of uh, Basil of Caesarea and his, his hospital should be called Basilea. Uh, this is like a, a bishop of the church in Caesarea. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say like, oh, the only way we can deal with sickness is lay hands. They had exorcists whose job was to go about and, and uh, cast demons out and all those kinds of things. It was like... It became a science. It, it was, a, yeah, it was <laughs> something that you had... A, uh, it was a gift that people developed and that the church used on a regular basis. But it didn't stop them from taking money and founding a hospital, the first public hospital in the world, to deal with sicknesses. Yeah. I hope you get me. Yeah. So the more the more separated we have become from our history, the more we have become dualists. Where dualists is you elevate, you think that God is only capable of working in one way. Mm-hmm. Bible says some people were healed uh, by Jesus touching them, whatever, and so on. So God is only only capable of working. Through you touching the hands and praying and so on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, 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 what is it? say Luke was a physician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul. And he was with Paul. And he did the work of, uh, of bringing his physician work to other people. So, we have decided the, the, uh, the ways in which God can work. And we are limiting God. Yeah. And we are limiting ourselves. So it is the same God who has given uh, so that over time a lot of these things about how to do with pandemics and epidemics and all this kind of thing. It's Christians who have gone through it, suffered it, learned lessons that now the medical world has picked up and it's become standard practice. But I didn't start off with the medical world just figuring it out. We have 2,000 years of Christian history. What was the medical world like back then? Because in the European uh, world where uh, Christian, Christianity dominated, it was Christians who were the doctors and Christians who were coming up with uh, new innovations mm. and so on to deal with uh, sickness and, and all these things. When we talk about Newton and all this, they were Christians. So they understood that it was part of their work of being good caretakers of the earth. Yeah. That whatever knowledge they have, they can apply it, and they can continue to improve it. So we are putting ourselves in a place where we are the originators of so many things today, yeah. but we are telling ourselves that those things don't matter. Let the quote-unquote uh, worldly people be doing those things. But yeah, yeah, they buy it. Yeah. And we have stopped. And we have actually stopped all the practices. People are stopping medicine to become preachers whereby being a doctor doesn't mean you can't preach because your life is your sermon and that is not part of it it's going on the streets and actually managing a church a whole structure from top to bottom that is what makes you do the work of god yeah and then a a musician once we i was discussing i was doing bible studies with a friend of mine i was we're looking at luke and then we were looking at the uh, luke one the, the the song of Mary. Then after at looking at looking at the, the song of Mary. Called the Magnificat. Yeah, the Magnificat. So when Mary sang the song after all the things that she said, and I was like, Did you realize that that song can't be taken as a gospel song? <laughs> yeah, because and then she was like, It is it is it kutia no. It sounds like it. More like, share, come and see what God has done for me. Mm-hmm. Me that I was nobody, mm-hmm. I, I have been. Mm-hmm. And it is like, um, what is the Christian part of it? No, it's like, it yeah, no, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, it's like now, so I'm like, okay, she told us, she's telling her story. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell your story and um, Lucky Duke sings her song, his song and tells his story and tries to tell people to follow this and that, 
It means that Charlie, the guy is not a Christian. This is not a gospel song. Go. This is a secular song. And you people who are listening to it, you go to hell because you are listening. And, and that means that we have decided that um, our responsibility as as individuals, as caretakers of this world, we've limited it. And like Adam is saying, we have decided that we are we are going to be Christians. Yeah, and at points people don't even do people go to work. And they will be praying instead of working because that is what the church has. Pray without yeah, pray without ceasing. <laughs> it means that we will go to church and we will rather go to church. So we have church services on the times you are supposed to be mm. at work mm. because work is not important anymore. Mm. It means that we are not doing, we are not focusing on what God wants us to mm. focus on. Mm. And I think that that is and the knowledge we need to learn. We need to get that knowledge. We need to understand that history. The world didn't have been this way if Christians neglected had neglected mm-hmm. what they were supposed but, to do. But even in Ghana, even in Ghana, the history of the church in Ghana shows yeah. Catholic relief services. They do a lot of fantastic work in the places that the government cannot reach. And they are all arms of different churches. I think what is becoming less and less common is that more evangelical churches are maybe not finding opportunities to do some are, but you are not hearing as much from them in terms of like if you take the impact of the Catholic Church versus an evangelical church that even has similar financial power Mm. in Ghana. You don't see the equivalent amount of Work. Um, work in terms of going out into the community, supporting whether it's healthcare, water, education, building schools, um, having their pastors not go and form a new church, but go and teach. I think it's becoming more selfish. So if they are going to a place that has a need, the first thing is go and plant a church. And if you don't align yourself to the church. Back in the day, yes, that's how Christianity came to Africa. Of course, their agenda, I understand. But it was not unusual for the person to come. And the existing local school, that is where they are teaching. Mm-hmm. Now, the reverse might happen. We can't reform a church. The church might have a school. And if you don't join as a member, you don't get all our the benefits. benefits. Yeah. Yeah. But to just come and start a school for your community, because true. we can. Yeah. And so it's becoming a bit more selfish, which is, those are, I think, some of the things we need to call out because that's what gives people the opportunity to question our Christianity. Yeah. Because as is, everybody is doing something for their benefit. The big companies do charity work to get tax exemption. So if we don't show a different light where it's like, our we members already have, have tax exemptions. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Tax exemptions. Our members have hardened money have come and irrespective of whether you are Christian or not, we are caring for you. That has always been an easy way to evangelize, even more than sitting them down and trying to hit it with theology or explain who Christ is, showing who Christ is. It's an easy thing, which again is something that in the light of this pandemic, so far from me, I've only seen one church that is taking a, an actual step of getting ready to do kind of feeding the less privileged when the lockdown goes into effect. Yeah. I was hoping when the lockdown was announced, it would be like a trigger or a catalyst for more churches to see that people are going to have need in terms of because we all know the issues that are coming up. Yeah. So we are stepping up. I don't, it is just not in our nature a lot these days, and it's something we need to cultivate more because people come to the church with that expectation that, oh, a Christopher your memoir. So, I mean, before anybody, I, I, I need to, so one of the, I understand some of these things, and we need to declare that it's part of the reason why the church is the way it is today, is because. One, we are either doing, we don't want to admit that the work of theology is important. It may sound like, oh, going to all sorts of one-on-one schools to get PhDs and whatever is the solution. 
what I'm saying, what, what I'm actually saying is that if theology is being done right, if learning about God is being done right, mm-hmm. at the center of who God is, is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So all our learning must be looking at Jesus Christ and how to make us understand him more and be more like him. Mm. Yeah. I hope you are getting it. And more so, like him means means uh, taking him seriously and following find like in uh, coronavirus situations. Yeah. Thinking of the needs that will arise because of lockdowns that yeah. will come. Yeah. That is how Jesus would I mean he went about uh, meeting the needs of other people. Yeah. You get me? But most of uh, most of uh, more modern churches don't want they don't even want to hear anything about theology. Mm. And unfortunately, the older churches also tend to think of theology only in terms of rising up on the ladder. Of, yeah, uh, competing uh, with, the, with the new uh-huh. ones. So, we, instead of working at it in terms of how do we learn from Christianity that has come before us, mm. so that we can be more Jesus-like. Yeah. That, that's the whole point. How do we learn from what has come before us? So that we can be more Jesus like. Yeah. Every day we are creating our we are creating everything anew and making old mistakes that have made long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we keep making this when we don't see ourselves as the same as the Yeah, could you go ahead? Um I think we've had fair criticism of Ghanaian churches. But I'd like to say that when it comes to taking care of people in need, a lot of the, uh, what should I say, bigger churches in Ghana, they actually do have a very active ministry, if I'm to call it that, doing that. Even in the um, corona, with this uh, uh, pandemic, I, I it's not only the Methodist church, I've seen other churches donate things and be involved. I think the issue is that um, in Ghanaian churches, they are not doing such things isn't as flashy. It, it doesn't get as, as much coverage and it doesn't get as much attention in the church as something that needs to be considered on par with going to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that is... So, that is so the point is, thing. doing such things is not a way of life. Uh, it is not... You see, for us, it's these things are not our habits. They are our reflexes. Yeah. When something happens, I then we do a, a quick, oh, let's go and do something. But is that a habit of ours where we are constantly creating structures right. and, and I think setting things up to make that our normal way of life? I, I, think, I think the problem with, with many churches is this. What if they compartmentalize that aspect of Then they will view it as 
uh, this is not the way you are. I hope you can, if it is your, your regular way of doing it, then, then the criticism is unfounded. I've, I've had this pushback from other people saying that, well, but it yes. just does a lot and so on and so on. And I'm saying that the reason why people do the criticism and people are so cynical about the church today is because that is not their habit. Yeah. I mean, I mean it is, I, it's because we are, we, it, we, we, we wait for these emergencies to happen. Yeah. Before we are now scrambling about. So the criticism is a fair criticism. Okay. Mark, could you, could you put it as, I'll put it as it is the habit of some in the church, but mm-hmm. not of the majority. Yeah. It's, it's not, not, so it is not of the church, of the institution at the church. So that's the problem. And that's the flaw. Yeah, that's the problem. Because I, I think that mainly what I have seen, even in my church, on Sunday, they're asking for offering. And I'm like, um, excuse me, you should be even welfare and all of those things in churches now, no matter how kind and good they seem to be, is 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 based dependent on your aid. If you if somebody's in need right now in the church and you go to to there's a process and you have to go through the process to and the process is is makes sense. But is is there are more about um you what time did you when did you join the church, how long have you been here? It has nothing to do with the need of the person and whether it's agent is agency and the fact that we are called to basically do this. You understand? So this is an opportunity to just jump at it and help the person. It is more like okay, come, let's sit down, let's have a discussion because we don't want the opportunity that people who want to cheat us have want to just come into the system just to come and benefit from this system. You understand? And meanwhile, Jesus Christ said that if somebody wants to cheat you, allow them to. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He said that if they want you to walk one mile, walk two miles. So it's like it's like we've decided that that is we need to be wise. So that we can still keep our money, so that we can still keep our um, resources, so that we can make maximum use of it. I know churches whose accounts, I know one one church, they they actually declare their accounts. So one year they had like four hundred thousand Ghana cities sitting in their account, doing nothing. And then people, when they came down and the people and the people went to whatever meeting and they came out and they were talking about it. The only people were like, you could have invested that money. You could have used it for this. You could have used it. And I'm like, ah, but there are people in this church who basically walk to church and sometimes are hungry and nobody cares about them. Because even sharing of that information to tell you that I am hungry, I need help. People can't even do it in church. Then it shows the picture. I know somebody who went to uh, one of my church, my former churches. And the person was supposed to be, was living in a big house. But the person was, um, died because of no money. Wasn't able to go to the hospital. Didn't have enough money for food. Was supposed to travel outside. Because people have the image of the person being an affluent person. And she had just gotten divorced. And she was in the country. And she was hustling and she couldn't tell anybody because we have the culture of we don't need your we don't need so, to so, come into your life to help you please so i think i think i agree that the check does a lot and maybe that the collectively so for example the christian council of ghana they are one of the bodies i have the biggest issue with because <laughs> they only step up to talk about homosexuality that seems to be the only reason they exist. There are bodies that <laughs> highlight what we do better. But I think one of the issues, agreeing with what you could do, is saying we do a lot. But unfortunately, welfare and other departments in the church become the burden of a few. It is never the priority. We will willingly spend a million CDs redoing the sound system and AC. But if you said let's set aside a million CD feeding program in a church, 
Even me included, we will fight it in a way because we've not been, we've not been conditioned to understand that that is our number one yeah, priority. priority. Yeah. We have been told the number one priority is to go to church. Yes. A church that is not growing, it's an unspiritual mm. church, an unpraying church, mm. a dying church. God doesn't build an unpraying yes. church. Because God flourishes, the things of God flourish. So if you've been a thousand members for five years, there must be something wrong. The Holy Spirit is not present. So it becomes something that our focus is so much on that, that welfare is left in the hands of a few. Welfare is seen as a cost. So the job of the welfare team in some churches is to minimize how much of that money is actually spent by making sure the process weeds out all the bad faith people. You get it. So I think that's where the issue becomes. And I agree, like, the Orthodox churches do a lot. But when it comes to one-on-one people's burdens, we don't do as well figuring out the nuances. Some people need food. Some people, it's just bad luck. They're falling on hard times, um, giving them a loan. Like, whatever process we take, because it is not the number one priority of the church, we don't put as much innovation and as much nuance into it as we can. So it ends up being like, the money just going, the money just going, can't we find a process to make it better, blah, blah, blah. So we are doing a lot. I think we can do better. We can change the focus. I have been in a situation where you get a position as an executive and you realize how the church works. And like I was telling Edem and Selon before, I wish I didn't have that position. Because the more you know... You found, you found out how the sausage was made. Sorry? Yes, exactly. You find out how the sausage is made. Sometimes the more you know, the difficult it becomes. Because you realize, hmm, this thing is just a business yeah, sense yeah. and you don't know how to approach it and it can be really tough because there is a particular example in church where we've all turned that woman into a bed mm-hmm. so when she's coming we run from her but yeah. every time she wants 10 CDs from you 15 CDs but it's because she's become a burden on the individuals Yeah. collectively for some reason welfare doesn't want to assist her they claim they assisted her and she misused their money Yeah. and so now every Sunday Everybody, she has two kids she's bringing around and everybody's running away from her because you don't want to be the one she finally managed to corner mm. and ask for that Yeah. And I used to do that. As soon as I see her and I run, it's not right, but I never saw anyone condemn another member for running away, yeah. which would have shown me what I was doing was wrong. It rather became, yeah, no. don't slack. Yeah. So that you are not <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> and when like you said, the other point that I'll close on is transparency. Yeah. Transparency is so bad in our churches that unless that becomes because accounting is really hard. They don't want to show how the sausage is made because some of the monies, when we see the money, I think they feel members will suddenly become like Hey, and I came for 500 cities and you people didn't give to because I know yeah. back in Methodist they will give my church 300,000 as uh, the harvest for the year and I'll be like can we get 300,000 and we got 500,000 oh and I'm like ah are you telling me there's half a million cities available in this church mm-hmm. Half a million can start a factory or something like you know, it just opens your mind to possibilities of things we could actually do if we stop looking at it like, oh, headquarters needs 300,000, so let's find 300,000 and go and give to them and be done with our obligation because they have to build this particular, and we rather look at it like we can actually mobilize half a million. We can start jobs and things that make it more like a community thing that, like, there's opportunity for the church. To not have its members suffer in a way that becomes a beacon for the rest of Ghana. Mm. But as it is unfortunately, faith is one of the things that if you why are you hungry because you did not pray enough? Yeah. Why are you hungry because you did not believe enough on the Lord? So nobody faith. wants to share their not problem because 
Underlining things now, uh, you cry. We are sure that you come to church and pretend when you go back home, you don't read your Bible and you don't pray. Mm. So, in that respect, God has abandoned you. Yeah. So, that is why people would not share. I have been in that situation mm. where you are put as a leader, you expected to contribute your personal finances as leaders of the youth executive. And if you cannot, then you cry, why do God you is about to bless you. Because he's supposed to bless you. If you're doing the right thing, he should have blessed you. Now he knows you need the money to give. So if you've been doing the right thing, he should have blessed you Bless you that so that can give, yeah. for you to give. Yeah. So you can't even say you don't have to give. One or two of them that do that are labeled rebels and these people cry, they are not serious. But they say the things that you say, like, I don't get money. Then you walk out and then the rest of us will sit there and pretend, oh, this guy never gives. At the back of my head, I'm saying, Charlie, I don't get money. <laughs> so fundamentally, transparency, yeah. changing that mindset that the church exists to build a bigger church and a more financial church, but rather welfare, will make it easier on members. Because what yeah. we have been told and socialized in the church is that unless we go from 1,000 to 2,000, we have failed. Yeah, if we went from doing welfare from 10 to 15, we've not failed. We sorted you out. Yeah. So if we reverse that and make it that rather the number of people we held in a year is what determines the success of this branch of the church, it will be far easier. Mm-hmm. As it is, it is not. We need a bigger church. We need air condition. We need all that. So that's what I think fundamentally. Yeah. We need to change those kind of things. Okay. So I think um, we, we, we should be coming to the end of this. Um, we are still in the period of coronavirus. Mm. And the thing with life is that it's only in the difficult times that we see that what we are made of. And I I pray for the church. I pray that uh, I, I mean I believe one, so Christians need to and uh, uh, I believe that Christians should spend less energy trying to figure out why we are doing this. And learn that Jesus calls us to serve the world. That's why Israel was called. That's why Abraham was called. That's why Adam and Eve were called. Mm. And that's why we are called today. In whatever ways we can serve, we should. And let's also be mindful that death may come close to us. Is part of what it means to be human. But our, our, our joy and our hope is in Jesus Christ and the resurrection that He provides for us. But in the meantime, His work is to call us to go out. And if we can, yeah, they say we should stay at home, fine. But you have brothers and sisters who you know don't have the means to survive in lockdown. Yeah. You have brothers and sisters who you know are already experiencing a lot of. Uh, loneliness. Let's spend more time calling one another. We can't go, yeah, because we, we can't be meeting physically, but talking to each other on the phone. If you don't have internet, do conference call. This morning, me and we did conference call at church. That's what we did because my people, yeah, they are poor. Some of them are poor people. They don't have uh, WhatsApp phones that we can be in. Mm. So we yeah. have to do uh, conference call. Mm. And let's let's look out for opportunities to serve one another. Because part, uh, uh, I mean, Peter says that Christ suffered for you. Not that you will not suffer. He said Christ suffered for you. So that you, suffer so that you too will suffer for others. Yeah. One of the things that we, one of the lies that we keep telling ourselves, and it's become a statement that people use very often. They go. God says love your neighbor as yourself. Then say love your neighbor more, more than yourself. Yeah. But the only way you can, if you are hungry, what would you want your neighbor when your neighbor has food? What would you want him to do for you? You would want him to give some of what he has to you. And that means some sacrifice on his part. Yeah. Once there is sacrifice involved, you are quote unquote loving your neighbor in some way more yeah. than yourself. Yeah. So she's she. Jesus is our model. He not only comes to save us, but he comes to show us the way. 
So for us as Christians, uh, let's what ways can we help one another? What ways can we be there for one another? What ways can we encourage one another in these difficult times? What ways can we uh, pray for one another? What ways can we pray for the world and what it's experiencing? What ways can we love because our God is loving? That's a long and short answer. Spending time trying to figure out and then spending time trying to be, oh, media, it will not come to me. Oh, things are 91. And all that is not going to help us. Yeah. Jesus doesn't give us any guarantee that we will not suffer. Jesus says we must lay down our lives just as he laid down his life. That's the end of the day. So that's my, 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 my challenge. Yeah. Do you have any um, last remarks? Hello? Okay, so on that note, I think we would end today's um, podcast. We will be we'll be handling more. Yes, we'll be talking about scriptures and how to interpret scriptures yeah, soon. Um, and I'm sure maybe some other issues will come up. Our chief questioner is here. You bring come up with more questions and we will have a discussion around um, this. But this has been a, a, a nice, interesting discussion. I'm sure it will arouse many questions. I mean, send questions to us that we may be able to answer things that have arisen out of this discussion as well so that we can communicate. Yes, so use our social media channels. Yeah, social, social media. Message on Facebook. On Facebook, on Facebook yes. On Instagram, if you have any questions. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you very much for joining us, listeners. Thank you for listening to the Simply Christ podcast. Your questions and comments are always welcome. Find us on YouTube via our handle Simply Christ Ministries and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter via our handle S C Minog, spelled S C M I N O L J. Until later, God be with you. And bye-bye.